Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Discover the Hidden Potential of Your Mind podcast. You might recognize my voice at this point. My name is Dave Anderson, and I am a guest host today. Once again, I believe this is probably my third or fourth time stepping in here as a guest host, and I am privileged once again to be interviewing Angelica Baum, the regular host of this podcast. Uh, but today, the tables have turned, I'm in the host chair, and I'm so excited to be interviewing Angelica today on her podcast. So, Angelica, welcome to your podcast. Well, thank you. <laughs> let's, let's have fun. Yeah. And today, we're going to be talking about what is your most important role in your partner's life? So, if you think about your long-term relationships, um, we're going to be discussing your role within your partner's life. And I figure we just sort of get into this because we have a lot to discuss and we want to we want to get right to it. So um, I guess to, let's start here, Angelica. You've worked as a relationship coach now for 16 years. And in the last six years, you have focused on working with couples together. Um, so what would you say, based on all of that work, what would you say is the most important insight that you would want to impart regarding long-term relationships? Well, I would have to say um, the main point is that relationships are work. There's this myth that relationships should just be easy. Uh, it should be all no problem, right? It all falls into place. It's easy, effortless. But every relationship has issues and challenges. Um, and we need to do the work. And doing the work means several things. It means facing your own stuff that comes up, the triggers that come up with your partner that are really your own triggers. And it means growing and learning about yourself as a relational being. It means taking responsibility for your own feelings, uh, for the impact that you have on your partner as well, and then making amends if necessary. Um, it also means um, knowing a little bit about your own nervous system and your partner's because we trigger each other's nervous system into fight, flight, freeze. We need to know how does it get activated and how can we calm it down? How can I calm my own nervous system down and how can I help my partner to calm theirs? And it also means learning secure attachment skills. So how can I feel safe with my partner? What things help us to do that? And we've already recorded a, a in-depth podcast on that exact topic. So for anyone listening right now, uh, you can uh, sort of go back in the archives and find some of uh, the material on that and find a previous episode on that topic specifically. Um, now, obviously, when you think about long-term relationships, especially, there are a number of issues, problems, hurdles, setbacks, challenges that couples can have. And sure, it's different for every Every, every relationship is different, is unique, because you have two unique individuals in the relationship. So, of course, you're going to come up with um, different challenges. But have you found that there are certain issues that couples have that are somewhat predictable? Well, what type of issues come up has to do with the fact that our adult partner is the proxy, becomes the proxy for our first love relationships. That means for our relationships with our mother, father, uh, primary caretakers, step-parents, and so on. That's why I always ask my clients um, about their childhood and their relationships with their parents. Because our 
unhealed relationships from childhood affect our adult love relationships. Our partner becomes like a stand-in for a parent, especially if we have issues with one or both parents, right? They become, uh, the, 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 our adult partner today is our primary attachment figure, and they stand in for our first attachment figures. That means there's lots of triggers with our partner where we're reacting to them as if they were that parent, right? And we're especially sensitive to unresolved issues with parents. Hmm. I'm wondering, might you be able to give us some examples of how how this works generally? Absolutely. So I've got three examples in mind to illustrate that a bit. If you had, for example, a mother whose needs were overshadowing your own needs, you would be highly sensitive as an adult to your partner appearing needy because you've learned that neediness is not a good thing. It's all about the other person and you have to be the one who's independent or, or fulfills your, your parents' needs. So you might be over-identified a little bit with your own in independence. Uh, often people uh, with that experience have a bit of an avoidant attachment style. They've disowned their own neediness, but needy is being needy means being human. We're the interdependent beings. We're not totally independent. We're only as needy as our unmet needs. So if I complain a lot about my partner is needy, I might examine what's my own relationship with neediness. And is there a connection perhaps to childhood where there's unresolved issues where I felt my own needs didn't matter. My my parents, I in my example, it was a mother. My mother's needs were more important than mine. Another example would be a father who dismissed your emotions. You would be extra sensitive to your partner ignoring your emotions or brushing them off. And that's a little bit, full disclosure here, my own experience, because I'm an HSP, a highly sensitive person. So as a child, I was already a sensitive child. There were lots of emotions. But my dad, both my parents actually, are traumatized from, were traumatized from World War II. And especially for my dad, it meant there was no place for emotions, right? It was all, he grew up, it was all about survival, couldn't afford emotions. So then as a parent, he also wasn't very good at acknowledging emotions, but he was very dismissive with them. But that means now as an adult, you could be highly sensitive to your partner doing a similar thing. That was my second example. A third example would be if you have a highly critical caretaker, mother, father, step parent, whatever, grandparent, you would respond with defensiveness to any criticism from your partner. And I'm have, I have a client in mind there, actually, who had an emotional abusive mother, would be fair to say, who was extremely critical. He could never be good enough for her. So there's that unhealed wound that he was carrying into his adult relationships. And he attracted a very successful, rational career woman who was not uh, giving out praise all that easily, right? Because <laughs> that wasn't her main character trait. Um, and she tried. She definitely tried to give him lots of positive affirmations. But in, in this case, the wound was so great that she had no chance because he was so hypersensitive to anything that sounded like criticism. 
And it's not our adult self that shows up with the sensitivity. It's really that unhealed child inside that's still there that feels, oh, this is familiar. This is like my mom. And I was never good enough for my mom. So then there's that trigger. I'm also not good enough for my partner. Wow. Got it. Now, you just wrote um, a brand new blog. And the title of the blog is, What is a Woman's Most Crucial Role in Her Partner's Life? And obviously, that's sort of the main topic of this conversation. And um, yeah, I would just love to hear you sort of talk about that that recently published uh, blog article titled, What is a Woman's Role, Most Crucial Role in Her Partner's Life? Yeah, I can tell you how this title came to be. Um, our first relationship is usually with our mother. And that codes an imprint of what love is, is all about. And for men, it also informs his relationship with all women. How he relates to any woman in his life, his female school teachers, his sisters, his girlfriends, his female bosses, his daughters, and of course, the, the wife, the partner. Um, so that is all the, all these relationships are affected by his original relationship with his mother or stepmother and what he learns about women. And there's not much I haven't heard in 16 years of coaching either about relationship issues or good advice for relationships. But the other day I was listening to a podcast, Jason Gaddis podcast. Um, he's the, he's a um, relationship coach and the co-founder or founder of the relationship coach school in Boulder, Colorado. And he had a guest, love coach Annie Lala, and she made a specific comment on that podcast that blew my mind a little bit because it was at the same time simply and profound. And she shared what she believes to be the most crucial role a wife has in her husband's life. And I'm not quite comfortable with how this is a bit gender stereotypical and heteronormative, this, this phrase or this question. But even if we change the question to what is the most important role you have in your partner's life, independent of your gender or sexual orientation, the answer is still the same profound answer. So her answer was that a, a wife's key role is to stand for him, her husband, having a complete and healthy relationship with his mother. Or in more gender neutral terms, the extent to which your partner is not connected to their parents and understands that their love was un, um, imperfect love, let's say, fallible love. That is the extent to which they will also replay their childhood wounds with you. So if they're still carrying some sacred wound of anger or bitterness that they didn't get in childhood what they needed, then that bitter resentment will also rise in your relationship. So on the other hand, if they achieve understanding and forgiveness of their childhood caretakers, that will also affect your love relationship positively. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. And it makes me appreciate the parents that I was fortunate to have in my life and and grew up with and still have a 
a very healthy, wonderful relationship with both today. So yeah, all it, all this does in my case makes me feel very grateful and appreciative of uh, my mother and my father. Um, so how do we support our partner in healing their traumas and wounds from childhood? Right. So what if let's assume or imagine that we've recognized and maybe they recognize, too, that they've got some um, unhealed traumas and wounds from their childhood in this in this realm. What would be the first step in helping them and supporting them to heal those childhood wounds and traumas? Yeah. If they're already recognizing they have traumas or there's this issues, they're already on the path, right? They've already taken the first step. But otherwise, the first step is listening and understanding and acknowledging our partner's feelings. Their anger and grief is absolutely valid and important for us to acknowledge, right? Um, they might have experienced traumas, and traumas does not necessarily mean a trauma like with the big T, like like we say, but it could also be a smaller trauma. Um, to also for all sorts of reasons. Uh, that can happen when we have parents that are sick or mentally ill. I'm thinking of depression and anxiety or bipolar disorders. That can happen when our parents struggle with other life challenges like um, death or illness of their partner or battling financial issues like poverty or, or any other obstacles really, right? When, our, when we're talking about that we have experienced the trauma through our parents, it doesn't mean it's necessarily the fault of the parent. They certainly didn't traumatize us on purpose. Um, addictions is another topic, of course, where we come across traumas. Or parents were traumatized themselves. Like in my case, my parents were traumatized from World War II. That's is a fact, and it's not, it's not their fault if they could only parent as well as they could. Um, so in all these cases, we could definitely benefit from coaching or therapy. So if your partner does not resolve the issues with their parents, we know that these wounds would play out again in your marriage or long-term relationship because you become that critical mother, for example, or that needy partner in their eyes. And that has to do with the fact that we subconsciously pick someone who we can replay these original relationship issues with in, in some hope to resolve the old pain. This doesn't happen consciously. This is really a, a, a subconscious pull to, to get what we needed as children. It, it shows up in the fact that we won't have this elusive chemistry that we always talk about with someone that we can't replay those issues with. Um, when someone shows up that we can play these issues out with, they feel familiar to us, right? That's what we know. And, and then there's, like I said, this draw, this internal pull to sort out or to rectify the childhood experiences. It's, it's a very interesting to observe. So as the proxy of those original caretakers, it's in your best interest to encourage your partner to heal the relationships um, and, and turn these challenges around. That's basically the most important contribution you can make to your partner's personal growth, but also to your marriage or relationship. 
However, they will not be open to hearing anything positive about their parents or that the parents did the best they could unless you first fully acknowledge their experience and validate their pain. That, that always has to be the first step. Got it. Yeah. And so um, once you've done that and you've made sure to acknowledge and validate their experience, um, and so and you're sort of on that on the same page with them, so to speak, what's next? How do you, how do you support them from that point? You might also have to shift your own perspective about your in-laws, right? If I'm still judging my mother-in-law for being needy or my father-in-law for throwing money at everything instead of emotionally connecting or whatever my personal judgment is, I cannot help my partner. So um, without dismissing my partner's traumas, I would want to see if I can recognize their parents and also my own parents for what I've learned from them, for what has served me, right? All the privileges I had. Um, I know you have, like you mentioned earlier, a strong relationship with your parents. What would you say have you learned from them or what are you grateful for? In my case, um, there's... I just had unconditional love my entire life from both my parents and all they ever did was, was what I would describe as poor belief into me. So they only ever told me that I could do anything and be anything and do what I wanted and make my own decisions. And they always, even when I was a, you know, even when I was a goofy teenager, like we all have, you know, teenage years that are, challenging and we make silly decisions and do stupid things even when I was in that portion of my life and I was fairly tame as far as teenagers go I think in the grand picture <laughs> but even in those times they still um I didn't feel like they judged my decisions they still supported my decisions um and if I if I messed up if I did something that maybe was out of line I never felt um shamed or like overly guilty I mean maybe I felt badly that you know when I realized that I maybe didn't make the best decision but it was never um I never felt like I let them down or I disappointed them or that that it was jeopardizing the love they had for me or the relationship I never for one second felt any of those things. And so I guess that comes, comes back to un unconditional love and belief and support. If I wanted to do something new or try something different, they just tried to figure out how to make that happen for me. They tried, they tried to make, oh, how, okay, how can we do this? How can we figure this out? And, you know, they wanted me to have every experience <laughs> that I possibly could and try everything that I wanted to. And, um, and then most recently what that's, you know, in my adult life, obviously, you know this, but maybe folks listening don't. Uh, my wife, Jenny, and I and our three kids have recently made a fairly significant move relocating from just outside of Toronto to just outside of Austin, Texas. And that was obviously a big decision and a, it took a, a bit of a courageous leap. And it the same thing played out in this decision as always has in my whole life that they just supported and loved and trusted and trusted that we, that I was making the best decision for my family. And um, 
and so you know they're coming to visit my you know my mother and and my sister Karen who you also know uh, they're coming to visit in about ten days or so, um, and so yeah so the same pattern has has played out and it was one of the reasons I was able to make the decision is because I knew that that making this decision to relocate to Austin was not in any way going to jeopardize the relationship or I was, you know, I don't, I wasn't made to feel guilty or uh, bad about the decision at all. Um, so I guess those are all the things that I'd be, that I would express as uh, being grateful for, for um, the, the home that I was privileged to grow up in. That's beautiful. And it is a huge privilege. It is quite rare, I have to say. <laughs> yeah. Lots of us have experienced traumas, not necessarily big ones, but we all have, or most of us have experienced some traumas, right? Where, um, even as a parent, I have to say, right? My uh, older daughter has experienced some traumas just through, <laughs> because parenting is not perfect. Um, so when I think of my own parents, I think in my teens and twenties, I was very critical. I focused on what wasn't there, right? What they weren't able to do or, or be, but in retrospect or with maturity, you realize there's also things that you can focus on and be grateful for. Like my father, for example, modeled hard work. He, he demonstrated that you could achieve um, academic success if you just put the time and effort in. Um, I was certainly very privileged by um, having lived abroad. We lived in Africa at some point. And so there's certain things that you can focus on. The, the privilege of having a good education, getting a good education. Or I think of my mother today when I meet new people and it's easy for me to chat with them. I'm very comfortable because she modeled that. She was very outgoing and she would talk to everybody we came across. And as a teenager, I thought that was so annoying <laughs> being out and about with her and she talk, had to talk with everybody. But it's also modeled for me. Yeah, this is a way of interacting and connecting with others. So I think even if there are traumas, even if there are issues, you can find something where you can go, okay, okay I can tag them for that. I can appreciate them for that. And if they're still around, maybe letting them know. But even if it's just a question of getting that straight in your own head, and then you can also encourage your partner to do a similar thing. And do you feel that it's enough to shift our perspective of our own parents and encourage our partner to have greater compassion and understanding for theirs. Do you feel like that's enough? Um, it depends on how estranged we are from our parents and how many traumas or issues there are. I mean, it's even just between you and me, we can see you're really super grateful and you feel that there's so many good things, but then there's other uh, stories where there are traumas and I would never want to minimize uh, anybody's traumas. So as a coach who's who's done coaching and therapy herself throughout her life, I'm always very supportive of doing your own work with a professional, especially some inner child work or perhaps some more somatic trauma work. Um, because otherwise, even being around our parents would trigger our childhood traumas. 
right? They say something, they do something, and it triggers something old. Um, but trauma work is, of course, a topic for a totally new podcast episode that we can maybe do in the future. Um, before we wrap up today's conversation, and like you say, there's probably lots more that we could delve into, and a lot of that especially uh, could could be better saved for another episode, which we will do, I'm sure, at some point here soon. Um, but before we wrap up on this particular topic, is there anything else that you would love to impart or share with uh, your audience uh, today before, before we close off on this conversation? Well, maybe just to summarize that the most essential gift we can give ourselves and an extension of our partner is to encourage our partner to heal their relationship with their parents mm. and to clear out any childhood traumas. And then eventually with the goal to accept and forgive those flawed people. I mean, our parents are humans. <laughs> our parents, their parents, adoptive parents, uh, forgiving them for their mistakes. Because it affects our adult relationship immensely if we don't drag that old baggage with us and have to play it out again. Yeah, I think that's really, really important. Uh, and a... And a valuable reminder for probably so many people listening i know for myself the the power of forgiveness and the importance of forgiveness not just for the benefit of the person you're forgiving but of course for your own for your own benefit um forgiveness is, is always for ourselves right we forget that uh, i mean in the religious sense of forgiveness it's this idea i forgive you you've done something wrong i forgive you anyways but really, forgiveness is for ourselves. It's a gift we give ourselves so we can move on. Three of resentment, hurt, pain, all those emotions that we're otherwise uh, bound up in. Uh, yeah. So it's for us. It's absolutely for us and our own healing to forgive and let go. Forgiveness does not mean forgetting. It also doesn't mean I'm saying it was right what the other person did. Yeah. And uh, it also doesn't mean I'm allowing them to continue being abusive if they're abusive, right? It's it's just simply the decision that I don't want to be tied into this anymore. I don't want to give the, this, this situation or this person any more power anymore, right? I step out of the victim role and instead um, live in a powered life. Yeah, sure. And if someone listening right now is wanting to begin working with you or at least explore the possibility of working with you, what would be their, their next best step to begin that process of walking down that path of working alongside with you and maybe with their partner and, and their relationship? Yes. So I, I always do a free um, Zoom consultation before um, we start working. To, to get to know each other, to see if, if we're even a good match. So you could always email me at greendoorrelaxation at yahoo.ca or even just go to my website, which is greendoorrelaxation.net and uh, request a free Zoom consultation. It's about 20 minutes where we can just chat a little bit and see if we would be a good fit to work together. Um, and on my website, there's also lots of other blogs and other podcasts um to, and videos to watch so there's lots more information wonderful wonderful well thank you again for yet another episode where we where you allowed me to step into the host seat and uh, for all those listening uh, once again you're listening to discover the hidden potential of your mind 
podcast with Angelica Baum. I'm Dave Anderson, guest host for today. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being here. And we will talk to you next time.